<laughs> All right, well, you kick it off. Yeah, yeah, man. Uh, Marshall Hamilton here, co-host of Cock in the Podcast, and uh, episode 86. We got a special guest, but before I introduce her, I'll let Austin uh, introduce himself. Yeah, uh, co-host Austin Hamilton here, and uh, like Marshall said, we've got a, a very, very special guest, and uh, looking forward to learning more about her, her story, and um you know, what, what she's about when it comes to, you know, the game of basketball and, and what she's doing. So, yeah, I, I look forward to this, man. Yeah. So without further ado, we have Coach Patty Medina on with us. Um, <laughs> we have uh, usually like if we were in person, we have um, drops. So we would cue like the applause and all that stuff. So we had to do the, you know, the. Uh, For those spirit fingers. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> finger clap. But um yeah, just just so people know how I even got connected with her. Um, shout out to. Oh, we gotta pay. We gotta pay the bills. We gotta pay the. Oh bills. yeah, yeah, we gotta. We gotta, we gotta sponsor yeah. Patty that that keeps uh, a couple of the lights on. Not all of the lights, but a couple of the lights on. Yeah, yeah, we gotta yeah, shout we gotta out uh, our, our sponsors. So, so before we get into it, um, shout out to to Ike Underwood um, with the Rista Real Estate Real Estate Agent uh, registered in Virginia, um, uh, single mom. Uh, Marine veteran, um, doing a lot of great things, uh, you know, helping people buy and sell homes. But she's also um, a homeowner herself, herself and has like three or four properties in Virginia. So um, if you're interested. Shout out to the single moms. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Yeah, she's, she's doing big things. So shout out to Ico for uh, sponsoring the pod. And, uh, you know, look at our website, clockingpod.com to see more information. Um, so we, we, Got connected with Coach Patty Medina um, through uh, a mutual friend and follower, Tyler Hamilton. He's he's been a family friend of ours since like 2000. Um, graduated with my older, older oldest brother Walter, and uh, he had post posted some stuff on uh, his story um, uh, from her profile. And I was like, first off, I'm like, I didn't even know Latina woman played basketball, let alone coached it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> so. Uh, so and, and and you know we where we're from it's 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 probably like forty percent Hispanic, um, but uh, that kind of caught my eye and I looked at her profile and, and kind of been following uh, since she's based in um, Baltimore Maryland area which isn't far from us and um, you know it's a pleasure to have her her on we we were trying to get her on before the end of Hispanic Heritage Month but uh, some things came up but. We're going to still act like it's still Hispanic Heritage Month, um, but I'll let Patty introduce herself and then we'll, we'll kind of get, get into it. So, well, first off, I appreciate both of you having me on. Um, it's an honor and appreciate the connect. And, you know, when you get on social media, it really strengths the world. And especially when you're in basketball, like everybody knows everybody. So, um, you know, shout out to everybody that's a mutual friend and a mutual connection for us. Um, I do actually, it's a funny story that I was supposed to be on with you guys last week and, um, we had a change in staff. So I don't know if you kind of picked up on it on my social media, but I 
had stopped coaching. So I haven't yeah. coached in about two years. And I've been trying to stay away from it because I'm like, okay, you know, work-life balance. And um, I too am a single mom. And so my son just is getting ready to start high school. So I'm like, you know, I want to focus on my son's playing career, like not playing career, but I want to be able to be at games and not be traveling for games. And so uh, last the week before last, we actually had a change in staff for women's basketball. And coincidentally, the head coach, you know, we had to uh, unfortunately let him go. And he didn't have a first assistant in place at the time. We were actually going through the hiring process for first assistants. So, of course, the only other person in the office that has a background in women's <laughs> basketball was me. And my first thing was like, no, I'm, no, I'm, I'm not doing it. You're like, right. I'm not, you know, and I had met some of the girls on the team. And like, you know, I genuinely enjoy some of the girls. But then there was other ones that I'm like, She's going to like give me a run for my money type thing. So uh, long story short, uh, I've been interim head coach for the past two weeks. And so it was like a complete change in schedule. And um, so, yeah, so I, I apologize for having flaked that, you know, I, I try to be a, a woman of my word and no, it was just, it was overwhelming. And so it got to a point where I was just like, you know what? Like, um, yeah, it was just a lot, but on, on, the backside of that, uh, you know, I had taken two years off and coincidentally on the last day of Hispanic Heritage Month, I got to coach against the only other female Latina that I have ever like coached against. Wow. And the, so I've been coaching 16 years and in 16 years, I've never coached against like a female Latina. Um, it's either been, you know, uh, black, Asian or white, you know, Caucasian, uh, female or male. And so um, I was like, I was so hyped. I was just like total fangirl, like, hey, coach, like another Latina. And she's also an athletic director. So she might be someone that, you you know, y'all might want to interview at some point. Yeah, for um, sure. Marbelli, she's at Union County in uh, Jersey. So she's the um, athletic director and also women's basketball coach. And so I got to coach against her. For my re-debut of, you know, having taken two years of hiatus. And so it was a scrimmage and, you know, showcase, but it was fun. And, and to me, it meant a lot for, like, people to see two Latina women on the sidelines, you know, coaching women's basketball. And so um, I think she was like, this girl's crazy. Like, she's yeah. making this a big deal, you know. But for me, it was a big deal because yeah. I had never seen, especially growing up, like, I played soccer, you know. And then because right. I didn't see... I'm Mexican. She was, I think she's Puerto Rican, but you know, I didn't see Mexicans playing basketball. Like it's now becoming a big sport. We're, you know, hoping to get an NBA team in Mexico and things like that, but it was never like a predominant sport. I didn't know what basketball courts were. I didn't know what the rules were. And uh, so I started playing in sixth grade and then fell in love with it, you know, and I forgot about soccer and I kept, kept playing. And, um, went to college. I was going to play in college. And then I decided I wanted to start adulting way too soon and bought a car and had a car note. So I had to work. And that's when I was um, introduced to the idea of becoming a coach. Hmm. And, you know, I was 18, I was 18 years old and they were like, Hey, do you want to coach middle school basketball? You know, I was like, why not? Like, if I'm not going to play, I might as well coach it. And then 16 years passed by and I was coaching. I was still coaching. So I coached 
um, middle school for a year. And then I coached JV uh, varsity head coach, um, JV, I mean, JV head coach and then varsity assistant. And then one of the high school girls that I coach ended up playing Juco and she said, Hey, we need a practice player and like a scorekeeper. Like, and I told coach about you. So, you know, you should come. So I was like, all right, why not? You know? So I went and then, um, his assistant ended up like resigning halfway through the season. And so he's like, you've been on all the practices. Like you want to be an assistant. So then I got put on staff for a Juco, um, Juco team. We won conference that year. The next year I had like my first, uh, coaching, like paid coaching job and, just kept climbing up, you know, and, um, as a young coach, I did want to be like a division one coach. I was like, yeah, one day I'll be a division one coach. But then as I got into the business and I got to see the back end of it, which that's a whole nother conversation. But um, once I got to see the back end of it, I'm like, I'm cool off D one. Like I'll do NAIA. And if I ever go back to coaching, like I'll do JUCO or NAIA. And so sure enough, I've been running away from it for two years. Like, you know, I coach my son's like middle school team and things like that. And like I run the basketball camp. So for me, yeah. that's that's like how I scratch my itch with coaching. Right. But it's just it's just funny because I'm like, the more you try to run away from it, the more it like, you know, mm-hmm. follows you. And so yeah. um, so yeah, so that's been like the, in a in a nutshell, that's been my life in the last, you know, 37 years. So. <laughs> <laughs> I have one question. When you were added as a as a practice player. Were you cooking? Were you, cooking? <laughs> you know what? Like, um, one thing about my, like, I actually became a better player after high school because when I started coaching, I was like, okay, if I'm going to coach this, I have to know how to do it. And so like, I was, I was a gym rat more after high school than I was during high school, during high school. Um, my mentality was like, oh, social life, sisterhood, bonding, you know, quality time with my teammates. But um, to answer your question, like they were making me better and I'm, I was actually a better player post high school, post playing career than when I was playing, because it got to a point where it's like, you know, if they tell you, yo coach, let's go one-on-one, like you, you have to, you know, <laughs> because then, then they don't respect you. So, um, so yeah, so it was fun. Uh, but athletes nowadays are just, it's crazy. So. I got, I got a few dubs. Like, I got a few okay. Dubs. Well, that's a, well, that's a nugget because a lot of people, they get in position <clears> of power <throat> and they feel like they don't have to earn their subordinates credibility. Right. So I respect the fact that you realize like, you know, in order for me to, uh, to feel credible and, and to have them respect me, I need to be able to do what they do and even better. So that I can show them by example, not just tell them, Hey, you need to be here. You need to do that. I'm going to be able to, you know, actually prove it and, and, and show them myself. Yeah. And, and, you know, not to like play the race card, but the fact that I'm, I'm, I'm a type of player that they don't normally see, it makes it even harder for me to like earn my stripes because in their mind, Oh, you, you, you're five foot seven, like you're Hispanic. Like there aren't many Hispanic ball players, you know? And so not only do I have to like earn their respect, I have to also like demonstrate it that, you know, that I know what I'm talking about. And so um, that's something, even as a coach, like that's one of the biggest challenges that I've had to, that I've had, that I've encountered is um, making my knowledge, you know, credible because I don't look the part or, um, you know, I'm not, super athletic looking like, you know, I'm a regular person. And so to them, it's like, oh, well, 
do you know what you're talking about? You know, and so that's something that in even in any career, even as an athletic director, you know, I go, I walk into rooms and they look at me like, oh, you're not your typical, you know, Caucasian male athletic director. And it's like, yeah. oh, what, what do you bring to the table? And then you have to like really not just earn your stripes at the table, but also um, maintain your stance there. You know, like you have to c- continuously show them why you deserve to be at the in those rooms, at those tables, on that sideline, and yeah. on that court, you know? So it's, uh, yeah, it no, comes with the territory. Definitely. That's, uh, that's powerful. And, and you touched on a lot, Patty, just from your, your path and to where you're at now, but I, I I'm, I'm interested in just kind of going back. You mentioned, uh, I think you said you started in the sixth grade, um so twofold question are are you from the Baltimore area no so okay. I'm I was actually born in Mexico so my my son is actually first generation so okay. I I'm I'm an immigrant myself so <clears throat> and then I grew up in San Diego so I'm originally born in Mexico raised in Cali and then I've actually only been in the DMV area for two years Oh wow! Okay, so you're. Yeah. So Jay, why'd you leave San Diego? Right. I've been there. Yeah. Uh, let me let me tell you this. Gas right now is six seventy five, and a one bedroom oh, yeah, apartment yeah. is twenty four hundred dollars. Yeah, I was out there last summer. It's the price. It's fun to visit. I, I, I joked, and I was like, the gas prices look like, you know, fast food menu, mm-hmm. right? And um, yeah, I mean, I I stayed out there like Airbnb for I think three or four days. Um, I've been there for work once and I went there yeah. here for pleasure. And I mean, the weather is just, yeah, it's, unreal. It, it's, it's amazing. But yeah, the cost of living, we have a couple of friends <laughs> that are from here that moved out there. Um, people we went to high school with and yeah, it's, it's stupid. How much yeah. No, I tell my, I tell my parents, I'm like, people that live here are like self-inflicted struggle. Like <laughs> you guys are just struggling <laughs> just for no reason because everything they complain about you know, that they would potentially miss. Like, I don't miss it. Like the weather. Okay, cool. Like we have air conditioning and we have the four seasons here, you know? Right. Um, but yeah, no, for me, it was the, the livelihood, you know, I wanted a better livelihood and, and, uh, experience. And so, yeah, I ended up leaving. I actually coached in Texas for a year. So I stopped in Texas for a year. And then once I was in Texas, I had a job offer at Bowie state so I was like, well, I already made it to Texas. Like, why not make it to the East Coast? And so picked up and uh, moved from Texas. And I, I worked at Bowie State for, for a semester. And um, and then I was a, I, I'm a sports management professor as well. So I taught sports right. management at Bowie State. And then um, I got into the athletic director side of everything. Yeah, I mean, you, yeah, you've got, a, you know, a lot of different turns, it seems, it seems like. Um, but going back to the to the basketball stuff, if you if you can recall, like what what got you into basketball? Because like you said, right, like soccer was kind of what it was growing up. And then I guess all of a sudden basketball came about. Like, do you remember what um, kind of made you gravitate towards the game? Was it a player? Was it, you know, what, what it was a coach? Okay. It was a coach. Yeah, it was a coach because um, the way I got introduced to to basketball is so there's this um, in California, like the high schools reach out to the feeder program. So like if you have a high school and there's four elementary schools in the area, then 
the varsity basketball players go into those elementary schools and they coach teams. And then on Saturdays, they get together and play at the high school. So, mm-hmm. like, I was at Sunny Slope Elementary School and Montgomery High School was, like, our, our feeder program. And so we had the point guard and we the point guard and the shooting guard from the team were my coaches. But this then we got team. to – what's that? Girls team? Yeah, so – so the girls' high school team, the varsity team, had to go into the elementary schools and coach teams. And each each player, two players were assigned a different elementary school. So then we would practice at outside at the elementary schools. And then on Saturdays, we would have, like, an all-elementary school tournament, right? That's so dope. I started playing. Yeah, it was fun. And, it, and like, and it built that, that feeder program, you know, into the high school. And I remember seeing this coach because – Mind you, like the girls that were coaching me were in high school. So they were like 15, 14 years old. And so they were the cool coaches, the fun coaches, like, you know, um, they're just fun. Right. But then I remember their head coach would like walk around the gym and she had like this little headset at the time. This was before even like Bluetooth was like a Bluetooth thing. She would have this like little headset and she, you know, she'd walk around and it was just something about her demeanor. I was like, yo, that she's a bad B, you know, like she's pretty dope. Um, so coach, her name's Lori Morris. Um, she ended up coaching at Louisiana and the army. So she went on into coach at the college level. And, uh, and I, to this day, like I have her as a Facebook friend and I'm like, dude, like just having seen her and like, she always had the same outfit and it was just like, you know, how, <laughs> you know how people be like, oh yeah, the gym teachers, they have like their khakis and they're like, right. polos. she would have like the same outfit. It was like these like capri pants or capri shorts and like a polo and then her little ear set and she was just like to me that was my first my introduction to a female in a leadership position mm-hmm. because in Mexico like you don't see what now you do but you don't see women in leadership positions you know you see women in subordinate positions and um you know housewives and things like that and so when I met her I'm like yo you can be a female and be you know excuse my a badass you know and so I was yeah, like all right cool like I want to do what she's doing and they're like oh yeah that's our coach coach Morris you know and so like I just gravitated towards her I was in sixth grade I wanted to play for her in high school like you know and obviously life happened but I didn't end up playing for her but we maintain um you know communication and she's one of the reasons why I'm coaching and then my high school um coach was also a female and she was also pretty badass so I it was just the leadership like seeing women and like in male dominated fields to me that was like that was empowering you know and so I was like I want to do that I want to do that and so um yeah it, it was that's that's what really when I realized like and I don't know if it was like oh hey basketball is what it is I think it was more the leadership you know and then just basketball was just the means into how I would get into like a male dominated field. Like I get a kick out of being in a male dominated environment. Like it just feels like, you know, we have ovaries and we can birth kids and y'all can't. And like, (laughs) there's just a sense of power in that, you know? And so, um, and then my dad has a construction company. And so I was helping run that company since I was 12. So I'm walking into like a construction site and I'm not only in my 12 years old, but I'm also female, but I'm like carrying a 50 pounds net bag just as much as they are, you know? And so, yeah, I get it. I get a kick out of it. It's probably weird, but like, I get a kick out of being like a, in a male dominated room, male dominated field. And not because it's like, oh, hey, I'm a female. Look at me. 
but it's like, hey, I can come in here and do exactly what you're doing and probably do it even better than you. But, you know, um, I think for me, that's what I got out of it. And that's what Coach Morris like, represented for me was like, you can be a woman and like really just like change the energy in a room, you know, and that's what she would do. Like she'd walk into the gym and it's just like the energy was different. And I wanted to do that. So I was like, all right. So here yeah. I am. <laughs> that's amazing. I think. People don't, they kind of underestimate, um, at least from what I've seen in our area recent, more recently, they underestimate like how impactful a high school coach mm-hmm. can be, right? Like our armor mater, Herndon High School, has been a, a basketball powerhouse for years. But over the last, I'd say, what, like eight seven, years? Seven years, seven, eight years. Yeah. Seven, eight years, it's just dwindled. Yeah. And, I feel like there's been a disconnect from, you know, the high school coach going to see uh, the the elementary school kids or different select leagues having the camps. Cause we, we look forward to, to, to going to those camps. Like, honestly, and I've said this plenty of times, I wanted to play for my high school, like way more than, you know, playing division one or playing pro like mm-hmm. high school was like the NBA for me. Yeah. And that's what I wanted. So it's it's uh it's cool to hear that you know that high school coach had such an impact on you and yeah you know, and, and on and, and on the yeah and on the girls side I agree with you like they can be high school coaches can be so impactful but also so detrimental so it's yeah. like they can make or break a, a ball player you know like yeah. and I've dealt I've seen like six foot one girls walk around campus I'm like oh why aren't you playing basketball oh I had a coach that made me hate it or made me feel like. I wasn't good enough, you know, and it's like you they are going through such a developmental stage that if a coach isn't secure in who they are as a coach and they're just like learning as they go, in a sense, it it can be detrimental to that person's like playing career, you know, because it's like, oh, well, the coach didn't really know what he was talking about or she was talking about. And then now you feel like you're not good enough, but really you just weren't being taught well, you know, and so. um the issue we see here in, in Baltimore and in Maryland, especially here in Hartford County, is that like girls varsity teams and not just basketball, like lacrosse, volleyball, like they have like six, seven girls come out. And I remember when we were in high school, we had to go like four cuts because 42 girls would show up. Then you had to cut them to 32 and then you had to cut them to 24. Yeah. And you had to keep making cuts. So we had to try out for like a whole week to try to get to 12 players, you know, but now it's like, they can't and granted social media plays a big part of it because everybody wants to be tiktok stars and social media <laughs> influencers right so especially on the female side but if you like imagine if coaches that were in at the college level or at a higher level went back to high schools and like led camps or led clinics and then yeah. And then those high school coaches went into the elementary schools and led camps and led clinics, you know, especially the female coaches. Like, so then now these young ladies, you never know, there's another Patty out there that's like, oh, wow, look at, I want to be yeah. like her because she, you know, she owns the room or whatever. So that for me, I feel like is it's a lost part of going into the grassroots basketball and, you know, the AAU circuit plays a big part in it as well. I'm saying like, we could literally go into like, 10 different yeah, yeah. conversations <laughs> because you have the social media conversation then you have the AAU watered down circuit. Cause when we were in high school, you had like four powerhouse AAUs and exactly. that's all. 
And that yeah. was it. Like you didn't have, you know, daddy getting mad and making his own AU team for his father. You know, <laughs> it was like you either made those either one of those for AU teams or you weren't on an AU team, you know. And so um there's just so many things that are impacting, especially the female, um, you know, the female sports. But I'm it's awesome to see the the focus that that like the WNBA has been getting and the um National Women's Soccer League, you know, things like that, like that, all that attention that they're starting to get. And so girls are now, and then, and then you have the pretty ball players, you know, cause when I was growing up, you had to look like a dude to get the respect yeah, yeah, as a ball player. Now you can be in lashes and, you know, yeah. nails, like all that, you know, you stunting now. You said what? <laughs> so they'd be stunting now, man, listen, edges. <laughs> like I can't keep minding, <laughs> you know, but, but it changes the dynamic because, you know, growing up, if I wanted to be feminine, I couldn't own my femininity until I wasn't playing basketball. You know, and now you can yeah. be a female and also a ball player, you know. And so, I mean, look at loving basketball. You know, she's like, I don't like dressing like a girl. I'm a ball right. player, you know. And it's like, that's so toxic. Like You had to be, you had to be a tomboy really yeah. back in the day. Like, and, yeah. and really the best, the best, you know, women hoopers played with dudes all the time. Yeah. Um, but you're right. You had. You don't have to look like one. <laughs> yeah, you don't have to look like one. And um, it's funny you mentioned the WNBA. Um, you know, we like as I mentioned, we we train kids, right? And um, one of the things that we really emphasize is is playing the right way. Um, we don't do a lot of gimmick gimmicky stuff. You know, yeah. there's trainers out there doing 96 cone crossovers, mm-hmm. stuff that you'll never do in the game. So, anyways. Um, I was in Phoenix for work. Uh, I, I do sales by nine to five. Um, and, and, uh, it was right around the corner from the Phoenix sun slash Mercury stadium. And, um, I'm the type I, I watch any basketball on TV. Like if it's on, I watch it. Same. And, uh, it was like, it was, uh, one of the last regular season games against the Minnesota Lynx. And I'm watching them warm up and I'm like, yo, they're not missing shots. Like no one is missing shots. Um, the ball movement, you know, the way the game is played. And, and I already knew, you know, I've watched it yeah. on TV, but like in person, it's it's different. So um, I'll tell, uh, you know, players I train, because most of them are boys right now. If you want to learn the right way to play, like don't watch the NBA, watch the WNBA. Mm-hmm. Because although they, they can still do a lot of the, you know, the, the flashy stuff. Um, if you, if you watch the way they move the ball, team offense, team defense, um, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a more pure version of the game. Um, and you know, obviously college basketball, I I would say both men and women's, Mm -hmm. um, I was curious, uh, you, you had mentioned, um, a lot around, uh, you know, the difference now between playing, uh, in high school today and, and, other just youth sports in general versus back in the day when uh, we came up um, <clears throat> we had a conversation with a former coach of ours um, who's thinking about kind of doing some partnership stuff with us about just like the love of the game and how it's, I feel like it's not the same right like basketball with social media is it's the cool thing to do right if you look at like who are the trendsetters fashion wise is NBA players and, so- and soccer players, mm-hmm. um, which, which shoes are most popular basketball, right? Um, social media again, like has made basketball you know, very popular. Do you feel like 
there's a lack of the of, of the love of the game today versus like kind of when we were coming up or do you feel like it's just different um i think i think there is you know because um i actually had a conversation not too long ago with someone how back in the day you you couldn't just be talented like you had to outwork people right you had to like literally outwork people and not, and and have talent now it's like okay if you have a little talent but you outwork the next person which is not very hard to do these days to outwork somebody because they're all either playing video games or they're on social media or they're you know um nowadays it's like you there's so it's so much easier i guess to like outshine someone just by more work ethic and more love for the game you know and then back in the day we had everybody had work ethic Everybody had a love for the game. Now it's like, and everybody was talented. So now it's like, oh, well, if I'm talented, and but I have the love for the game, I'm already a step ahead of everybody else because a lot of these kids don't really love the game. You know, I had a girl yesterday come into my office and she was like, oh, I, um, you know, I, um, I think I want to take a break. This is that. And I was like, yeah, take a break. I said, and if you don't miss it in three days, I said, come turn your stuff in. I said, because anybody that really loves it, you can't go three days without playing basketball. Like you can't go four or five days without, you know what I mean? Like, and so I told her, I said, one way to gauge whether you genuinely love what you're doing is by missing being at practice, by missing being around your teammates, by missing getting better. You know, like you see the gym rats literally in the gym. Like I have some guys that like call me on Saturday and be like, can you open the gym? You know? And so I think... Yeah, I agree with you. I think that the love for the game is low. I think it's more the love for the popularity and the spotlight, you know, and um, the fame that it comes with it. You know, if you're a ball player on social media, you already have a step up from somebody else, you know. And so, um, yeah, I think it's becoming more. And then you have the whole NIL stuff, you know, where, you know, these athletes don't even have to play. They just kind of take pictures in a uniform and do a few moves here and there. And they're still earning billions of dollars, you know. Um, so it's, it's, uh, it's, a, it's a different, this is why I didn't want to coach anymore. Because, <laughs> you know, it's hard because you get frustrated. You get like, okay. I get so frustrated because I'm like, how are you okay with being half-assed? Like, how are you okay with that? Like, I don't half-ass anything that I do. Like, it's just not in me to do that. You know, like if I'm not, if my heart's not in it, I'm not going to do it. Like, if I'm not genuinely interested in what I'm being asked to do, then I'm going to be honest and say, I don't want to do this, you know? And with them, it's like, Oh, let me just go through the motions. And I'm like, you know, you could be doing a hundred other things right now instead of just wasting your time being in yeah. there. Like, you know? And I think that's just, people get so complacent. Like they're just okay with going through the motions and oh, I'm on a basketball team, but you know, you don't go hard at practice. So yeah, it's, it's frustrating, but yeah, the love of the game. And that's one thing I learned that was a difficult lesson for me to learn as a coach is that you can't teach that. You nope. can't teach that. You can't instill it in someone. The only people that can really instill the love of the game for someone are like the elementary and high school coaches, because at that point it's new and they're like, they can either make or break their love for the sport. But at the high school college level, by the time they get to that age, they either genuinely love it or they're just doing it just to do it or because their parent is living vicariously through the child. Yeah. You know, it's just, it, that's why it, the, for me, it's hard to coach these days because it's like, I want it more than they do sometimes. Yeah. That's the frustrating part. 
So it's interesting you say that you can and you can't instill that. But the crazy thing is, at any level, you can kill it. Right, mm-hmm. it can be killed at any time. Yeah, but there is. I, I I agree. I think there is like kind of an expiration date on, um, on you know when it can be generated, um, because a lot of a lot of players they're playing for for the likes. Mm-hmm. Um, they're playing. Some of them are playing because they're actually good, but and they feel like they have to. Yeah, they're like well, I'm good at it. So, um, but I, I think. And uh, I'd love to get your thoughts. And Austin, please feel free to jump in if you have any any questions. But I feel like um, the lack of just playing just to play, right? Like, we're trainers, right? Mm-hmm. We're trainers. We get paid. It's, it's part of our business. But we'll tell people, like, you're going to be with us once, maybe twice a week. Go play one-on-one. Go play 21. Go play three-on-one. Like, go play pickup. Kids don't play pickup. And I feel like you, it's hard to, like, you don't see kids. If you drive <clears throat> a basketball course, I don't know how it is in Baltimore, but growing up, like, we'd see people of all ages and we would just go there and hoop. Nowadays, I mean, it's, you'll see, like, it actually kind of blows me. You'll see, like, the dad who can't really hoop trying to, like, teach <laughs> the kid who is awful. Right. They're taking up the court and it's like. Yeah, but yeah. Marshall, put put it this way. Our gym is available from one to three every day. And I text all my players and I told all the men's basketball team from one to three, it is open and the shooting gun is available for you. In the six months that I've been here, ask me how many people actually go into the gym from that time. And, And some of them will come in here and sit in my office for 45 minutes, just chopping it up. And I'm like, you know, you can spend this time in the gym. Like it's, it's, there's nobody in there. Like, and I know when, like you just mentioned it, like it's, it was hard for us to find a gym, you know, it was hard yeah. for us to get on someone's shooting gun. Like it was hard. And I'm like, y'all have the resources and the opportunity that we didn't have and you're not capitalizing it, you know? And so, um, but again, it has, it has like, it has a lot to do with the, the work ethic, you know, and the drive and they just don't have it. And it's, Something that I don't know is that as parents, like we didn't, we don't instill it enough, or if it's something that like is learned, or I, I don't know. Like with my son, I'm like, I try to lead by example, you know. So like if he sees me working hard, he'd be like, okay, I have no excuse because my mom's yeah. doing, you know, this is that. But because that's how I learned my work ethic watching my dad. My dad, but even then, it's like I have to push him to be like, hey, go get on the gun or go shoot, you know. And it's like, oh. I did have a question um, kind of in relation to the, the love of the game and uh, really from your coaching days, Patty, because this is something that I, I, I feel like I, I've seen even when I was, you know, playing at Elon and, you know, post, but is there, is there a way that you can, how, how would you assess a player that you're recruiting, you know, and, and how, how would you determine if they like really love the game? Cause I know like, for example, right. When I was getting recruited, I remember it was actually my coach at Elon. This is before I committed. <laughs> and uh, you know, he was calling to check in and he's like, Hey, like, what are you doing? And I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm watching um, the <laughs> NEC conference conference tournament. And he, he was like dumbfounded. He's like, why, like, why would you be watching that? Like, yeah, buddy. Nobody cares about that. But I was watching it. 
like to me that shows like all right this kid like really like loves the game did you ever like experience that when you were recruiting um or just is there any uh just factors right to know like all right this kid loves the game like I, I want him to be a part of the program or I want her to be a part of the program yeah there's definitely indications like that we we can like that you can identify right body language and it's so they're easy stuff too it's like body language mm-hmm. and energy and morale like you know um is it's the intangibles you know because anyone that genuinely loves the game whether they are a starter and playing 40 minutes or whether they're on the bench and being a supportive teammate, like they're just going to be happy to be there. And I've recruited a, in an eighth, ninth player off the bench just because their energy on the bench. I was like, Oh yeah, they're going to be a role player on my program. Like I need their energy on my bench. Like, listen, baby girl, you're not going to play any minutes, but I need this energy on the bench. You know. <laughs> so and and but they loved it and they wanted to be a part of it they wanted to be a part of a team entity you know they just loved it and I think there's indications in that sense you know and then the ones that are on the court yeah they just they just want to watch it like you'd be surprised I asked the girl that one of my players the other day I was like hey I was like hey that girl looks like Olivia from uh, Notre Dame like she looks like you know the ball player Olivia on the team I forgot her last name right now. It's, I'm drawing a blank because she had the little poof. I don't know if you yeah. guys follow women's women's uh, college ball, but Notre Dame. I'm an I'm an e, um, Ivy fan. So yeah. Coach yeah. Ivy, she's like you know she's a single mom. She's just badass. So um, so anyway, so she you know I follow her at Notre Dame and when she was with the Grizzlies and you know all that. And um, I was like, oh yeah, she looks like you know one of the players in Notre Dame. And they're like Notre Dame, like. I don't watch college ball. Like, it's, like no. it's crazy how these kids don't watch basketball. No. Like, and it's, it's like, it's, and for us, if it, as soon as it's over on TV, we're like already scratching, like, when's the next game coming back on? Like, I think I was watching on Facebook because they had the overseas. So now you can, like, all these, like, I don't know if y'all follow, but on Facebook, if you follow like the FIBA and you follow the LB, LB, LPN, LBPN or whatever, yeah, the yeah. all the ligas in Mexico yeah. and all that, they Facebook live stream all their games. So I was like, and this is me not coaching. This is like me on a, like, I'm not watching film, not like, I'm not coaching. I'm not coaching, but I'm like, am I house watching a Facebook live game of some team playing in like Michoacan for a national championship and it's like they had like a Louisville bound uh you know Louisville grad on the team and so I'm like looking up their rosters and like who's but it's like I genuinely love watching basketball and it's like you don't find that these days like you know the other day one of the girls I'm like you're watching a basketball game she's like oh yeah I'm watching Donda this guy's cute on the team and I was just like oh that's the only (laughs) reason y'all watch basketball you know but yeah, it's just, it sucks. And it sucks because it's so easy to, like, stand out. You know, it's so easy to stand out just by genuinely, like, loving the game. But the the the, the thing that's mind-blowing for me is, like, that's how you learn. Yeah. Like, the, the answers to the tests are, like, literally right there. Like, yeah. Kimba made that shot against Pitt, the step back. Mm-hmm. Literally right after school. And I saw that and I literally went to the gym for an hour and a half and worked on that exact move, right? Like 
that's how you learn the game. You watch it and then you try to emulate what yeah. what got. Like Kobe is Kobe because he he watched Jordan, yeah, and literally tried to do whatever. He he might have been a little sick about it, but um, he tried to do whatever Jordan did, and yeah. it freaking worked out for him. So like, I mean, I, I encourage players to to listen to what you know coach patty said and like because it from a recruiting standpoint like you said those intangibles man they matter mm-hmm. i can remember a coach not offering a kid because he saw him not open the door for an elderly person and he saw that he was like nah i'm not i don't want i don't want this kid in my program yeah because you're thinking character you know do, do i want this person on my team do they reflect the character that I want exemplified on my team, you know, and ultimately like that's what it comes down to. Like they have to be able to have, you know, that character that the coach wants then the culture that the coach wants on the team, you know? So yeah, it's tough, but it, but honestly, like it, it, basketball is like the greatest analogy of life, right? Because if you watch film, if you watch all that, it's the same thing on any other career, right? If you're a salesman and you want to be a better salesman, what do you do? You watch film, you watch film on other salesmen, you listen to pitches from other salesmen, you um, watch videos or do tutorials, you know, same with me. Like if I want to be a better athletic director, then I watch interviews for, of other athletic directors. Or if I want to be a better leader, then I listen to podcasts about leadership. And if you want to do better finances, then you listen to finance, you know, it's in any, any field. And I think that's the part that's scary is that if they don't have it for basketball, mm. like, do you have it for anything at all? Like, is there anything in your life that like, and, and that for me is the scary part because I tell the players at some point and Austin, you know, like at some point the ball stops bouncing, you have to figure out like what's going to happen after that. You know what I mean? And a lot of these student athletes, they have no identity outside of basketball. Yeah. And because all they do is play video games and play basketball. And then they don't realize, like, I don't have any hobbies outside of basketball or playing video games. And video games is not going to make me any money. So it's like, that's the thing that even with these girls, like, I'm sitting with them because, you know, they want me to talk to coaches. And I'm like, okay, well, do you want to go to PWR and HBCU? Uh, I don't know. Okay, well, do you want to go to a big school or a smaller school? Do you want like a big college experience or a small college experience? Uh, I don't know. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, you know what? Go do some homework, do some self-reflection, figure out who you are, because I'm yeah. not going to go and call a coach that is in Iowa in the middle of nowhere. And you want to go to an HBCU that has homecoming and a band, you know, <laughs> like I need to know what you want. And a lot of them don't know what they want, even with to that extent, you know, in, in the transferring portion of it so is it it scares me for them like I'm scared for them like I feel like and I have this conversation with you know my friend here at work I'm like were we that lost at their age like I feel like at at their age like we were like yeah this is what we want to do you know and it's like we just kind of put our foot down was like that's what it is you know um so it's just it's crazy it's it's sad actually I think that parents uh, these days are, are overly involved in like every decision for their kid. Yeah. Um, so I, I think part of the issue is a lot of these kids have, have never really thought for themselves, right? Mm-hmm. Their parents, especially, you know, ones who came from pretty good backgrounds. Um, like out here, you know, there's a lot of money um, in Northern Virginia. And I mean, we see this 
all the time where there's a kid who has basketball with us at, at five and then he has lacrosse after and then mm-hmm. Thursday has soccer and Friday has karate and it's just like we talked about love of the game earlier and, it, and it's like how can you build a love for the game if you're like on an adult schedule right yeah like, it's a job pretty much and um and then and then after that it's like well when we get to middle school you got to decide right no and I, and I think that was something that you know, we shouldn't have done, we shouldn't have, you know, been laser focused on basketball. We should have played other sports. Um, and we ended up tearing our ACL, which you could argue is, is the reason why we kept, you know, using yeah. those same muscles and movements. Um, but yeah, I agree, Marshall. It's, it's, uh, it's just become so much of a competition, especially in Northern Virginia, you know, it, and I, and I think that's a, a big reason why these kids don't, really love the game yeah they don't have a choice to develop and, and actually hone in in that love yeah i do well, have I mean, um good i was gonna say it's one of the reasons i haven't put my son in aau ball yet because it's like they play like nba nba schedules over the summer like at some point it's gonna take a toll at some yes. point it's gonna take a toll like you're playing 182 games in in, in uh you know 18 mm-hmm. weekends like yeah. ridiculous you know so and and it used to be just in the summer now it's year round and it's like looking back i played a game at 8 a.m which is wild i had a hot dog and then in in, in soda and starburst and then i played another game at 10 and i went to the hotel or went back home and then came back at like five and had a game and it's like and in AAU, especially even back then, AAU, you're not really. Uh, it's very rare that you, uh, you know, kind of learn how to play the right way. You're just kind of right. like running and gunning. Um, it's a layup drill. Yeah, and and I think that, um, and this 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 relates to pickup ball as well. One of the things that we see today that is just lacking is kids don't hate to lose. And if you don't play pickup, you're not going to hate to lose. And if you play a, if all you play is AAU where you played 257 games. And if you lose this one, it's like, whatever, I have, I have a hundred and, I have, you know, I have 250. Right. <laughs> so it just is like, oh, like losing is just, I I, I just I just need to get mine, right? Because then you have yeah. players, and I'm sure you've dealt with this, player has 25 and they're, they're like this. As soon as they, after the game, they lost, go to, straight to the box score. Look, it's like, yo, you lost. Right. Who cares how many you had? Not enough. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't. It doesn't matter. Um, I did have a. We did. I did want to get into the clock in or clock out. Um, like, like I said, we're we're organic. We're supposed to do that in the beginning. <laughs> really no, listen. I'm a talker. If you haven't noticed already, so we, I <laughs> love conversations, especially when it comes to basketball and mental health and leadership and you know women and all that. Yeah. No, this is no, it's, like I said. We're not gonna. You know. Uh, be rigid um but i i, I want to hear your perspective on it i've never even i didn't even think about this until uh i asked you to be on i'm like actually this might be a good topic for like sports center or first take or something but anyways this podcast is being brought to you by ico underwood with arista real estate ico with a virginia native marine veteran and a real estate professional who recognizes and values the trust her clients place in her. 
and strives every day to exceed their expectation. Aiko's enthusiastic can-do attitude and caring nature is ideal for identifying each client's desires and skillfully guiding them to fulfill their real estate goals. Whether you're a first-time home buyer, long-time homeowner looking to sell, or anything in between, Ico Underwood with Arista Real Estate can help you with your real estate needs. Um, clock in or clock out is the segment we do every episode. Um, Does agree or disagree, right? The, yeah. Do you clock okay. in agree, clock out, disagree? So in the NBA, um, you can leave, or in NCAA, I should say, for men's basketball, you can leave after your first year. Um, for women's college basketball, should they have the same draft eligibility as men's college basketball? Do you clock in or clock out that they should have the same draft eligibility? Clock in, but I think men should have the same requirement as the women, not vice versa. Okay. And so I, think, is- I think that men should play, should be required to play at least two years back to going back to at least two years so that they at least finish with their AA, their associate's degree, because in two years you can get your associate's degree. So at least if, you know, your basketball doesn't work out, you have your associate's degree to fall back on. Um, obviously with the NIL stuff, that's all changing because you don't need an associate. You're already making, you know, you're Mikey Williams, you're making $8 million a year. Like you don't right. need an associates. You don't even need to go to college at that point, you know? So, um, clock in as in they both should have the same requirements but four years is too much one year is not enough so let me ask you this should it be either they go directly to like the g league the pro um like they have an option either you go straight to the pros or you do two years or should it just be two years it should be two years it should be two years because Again, I think they need to emphasize the development of the player off the court, you know, going to college for two years and having like money management skills and knowing what to do with the money that you'll make when you go to college, you know, or when you go play pro ball. And um, obviously you have the the ball brothers that are like changing everything. And so it's right. like, you know, um, there's so, so many enticing options, but I think that it needs to be. Obviously, the NCAA makes a lot of money by them staying four years, which they're the you know they'll promote that. But at the end, and obviously the NBA will benefit from getting a younger player straight out of high school and having you know longevity. But if we really want to see what's beneficial for the student athlete and the athlete themselves, I think two years and having them get their associate's degree. Um, you know, will be very beneficial to them on and off the court because then they'll have, you know, they'll be older. Like, how can you be 18 years old? You know, granted, like LeBron was a whole another phenom, but 18 years old making these money decisions, you know, like it's just crazy. You know, it's crazy to to put that pressure on an 18 year old. But now, I mean, now they're making money as 15 year olds in high school. Yeah, so. no, it's, it's a different day and age. And I, I, I can respect that. I think one year doesn't make any sense. Um, no, and not even for a coach to like build a program. Like yeah, I wouldn't recruit somebody that I know is only like, I don't care how popular they are. Like that's just, it, it's not going to, it's going to, it's going to be from, you're starting from scratch every year. Like I give kudos to like 
the Kentuckys and the Dukes and all that, that they generally have a new team every year yeah. and every year they're successful. Like that coach, you know, their coaches are great because you can do that, but it's just, it just makes no sense. Yeah. And, and I'm a, like, we're Duke fans. Um, but I even see the kind of the, uh, the, you know, the opposite effect because, you know, let's say a, a player is supposed to be a one and done and they're maybe, they may not be there. Well, they already are recruiting someone for your position because they already told mm-hmm. this point guard that you're going to be leaving. So then this guy ends up having to go to the draft essentially, you know, because he's That's like, what they said. Yeah. Like we got someone else coming in. Right. And I've seen a lot of players who aren't really ready um, to make that lead to the league. And then they end up kind of fizzling out. But, um, but yeah, I, I was just curious because I had never really thought about, um, you know, should it be this the same for women and men just because you don't see women leave early as, as often. Um, and, you know, I went to a division three school and, you know, when you're a, when you're like a young man, you don't you're not thinking about your major. And right. Like our, our women's team was really good consistently. And, you know, I would talk, you know, I was cool with some of them. And I'm like, yeah, why did you choose here? Some of them had like division two offers, like like full ride offers, but division two schools a lot of times aren't the best academic schools. Right. So they were like, yeah, I, I wanted to, they didn't have my major. I wanted to major in. Yeah, priorities like, are different. I'm like, you, you wanted to, you, you you didn't take a full ride. You're like, what? I was undecided until my you like. You wanted to major in nursing. <laughs> you wanted to major in like. You plan on going to class? or something? Right. <laughs> Yeah, what it was, it was, it was wild. I'm like, yeah, y'all are. But you, but you also have to think about the opportunities that there are for women, like to play pro ball and to play, like you know, you have NBA mascots making more money than freaking Rossi. There's no way that's true. Yeah, I got, I gotta see, I I I gotta see the, I gotta see the, the. Well, you know, I work with the Wizards, and I know Wiz, like I know they pay him in a hundred thousand. No way. Yeah. It's like, at least it, yeah. Cause I remember seeing the post. This was like three, four years ago. I saw the job description. It started at like 82. But scout, like their scouts don't even make that. Right. I have a friend that's a, I have a friend that's a player development coach um, for an NBA team and he doesn't make six digits. No, yeah. yeah. I, I need to see the, I need to see the job requirements. Right. We need, we need a, we need the financial um, statements for uh, yeah, that's, the mascot. That's <laughs> nice. Um, I, I, I did, and I know we're close to, to wrapping up, but um, Patty, I, I know, you know, as a, as a Latina and, you know, you, there's not many of you in the game. I was curious, you know, um, I feel like you, you kind of have a, um, you know, a, a responsibility, right? Like, and you probably didn't, want this but um i feel like you, you you can really make an impact in that community so was curious if you're doing anything currently to kind of grow that grow the game in, in your community and um you know what what that may look like in the future yeah so i'm actually the only female board member for the latino coaches association wow um, so i get to yeah so i get to go and reach out to coaches so like <clears throat> reach out to um you know, Pineda over at Louisville. And so I reached out to her and like, so I've in being in that position and being in that role, I've been able to connect with some awesome Latina women all over. There's actually more of us than 
than I even thought, you know, like, and granted, there's not a lot of Mexicans, but there are a lot of Latinas. So, um, <clears throat> you know, Puerto Ricans, Colombians, Dominicans, Panamanians, like there's so many in the in the college ranks as well as the high school ranks. And then if you go to overseas, then you have even more. Um, but I, I, I take that as part of my assignment. And like you said, it's, it's, it's my duty, you know, to, to do that and to represent like anytime I sit in a podcast, anytime I walk into a room, anytime I sit in a conference, anytime I, you know, do any public speaking engagement. Like I know that I'm not only representing myself, but I'm representing anyone that might look like me, you know, or that might be from the same background as me. And so I know that if I screw it up, then they're going to be like, oh, then the next one's probably the same, you know? And so, whereas like, if I do great, then, you know, they're going to be like, oh, well, let's go see if we find more patties, you know? And so um, it's definitely a lot of pressure because, you know, I have to watch everything I do is like premeditated like what I post on social media like how I act what I wear how I dress like and I know a lot of people are like oh you're dramatic like you need to be you genuinely and I'm like no y'all don't understand like the responsibility like I can't be you know in my clubbing attire on my social media like flaunting this this, and that because then oh now I'm being sexualized as that Latina and that curvaceous Latina and oh you only got to that position because of how you dress or because you're, you know, you're, you're voluptuous or whatever. Like I'd never want someone to say, I got to that position because of how I look. I want people to say you got to that because of your work ethic, because of your connections, because of your networking, because of, you know, your, your energy, your aura, whatever. Right. All, All those things. And, um, yeah, like I literally, I had a conversation with my AD and we were talking about, um, Sid Carter, right? Sydney Carter, how she like broke the internet because she wore like the leather pants, you know, the pink leather pants, right? And granted, she looks great, looks beautiful, right? And um, I made a comment. I was like, I was like, I could never dress like that. Like, and and not that it looked bad or that like I um I was like throwing shade. It was just like people already assume that I'm in the position I'm in because I don't look like a ball player. So they're going to be like, Oh, she, you know, went and kissed this butt. And so she made it up to this position, you know? So it's like, I have to make sure that anytime I walk into a room, like I look the part, I act the part, I talk the part, you know, I like, because it's the pressures of, you know, everyone that comes after me. And so, um, yeah, it's 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 a lot, and it's uh, and it's probably me overthinking it because a lot of people are like, "No, nah, you're tripping." Like nobody really thinks that, and but I'm like, I'm sure there are. It's just people don't verbalize it, you know. Like, oh, she, it's because she dresses the way she dresses that that's why she's, you know, an AD now, or or because she looks good and the pretty privilege or the you know the light skin privilege or the whatever privilege, you know. And it's like, no, like I earned my stripes, like I earned where I'm at, you know, and so. Um, I try to carry myself in that way, you know, and I think a lot of people say, oh, you think too much what people think. And I'm like, it's not necessarily what people think. It's more so of the, um, the brand that I want to represent, you know? Yeah. No, look, we, we get it. I mean, we're, we're two, you know, black men in corporate America, right? Like we work in office jobs, like sales, you know, and, and, and software technology, um, for our nine to fives. And, um, 
I mean, we've talked about it a ton of times. Like, you know, you know, we're in pretty good shape. Um, so we, we're not going to wear like tight polos to work. Right. Because, you know, it, we, we're not going to, it's not going to be the same response as if, you know, uh, Bobby, Joe, you know, mm-hmm. Jackson, I don't know. <laughs> Dylan Crane or something, you know, right. um, did that. So you know, and and I, I'm gonna keep it. I'm gonna keep it a buck. Like I could sniff people who are just like, you know, using their looks to get like. I, that's I wouldn't have had you on if I felt like that was it, right? Like I could tell like you were like a hoop head. Mm-hmm. Um, that's why I was like, yeah, like we, you know, I feel like it'd be a good conversation because I can tell you're genuinely. Uh, about you know moving the game forward like you have a genuine love for it and um thank you i'm glad that's the impression you got from my social media yeah yeah no for real I, you know I'm, yeah we don't like we're very picky about who we invite to the podcast as you should be we um one like you said we, you know we uh we come from a, a faith background doesn't mean we're perfect like not not by any means but um you know, we want to make sure that like we're, we're presenting our uh, our podcast, you know, in an authentic, but like um, in a way that, you know, is is uh, not going to, you know, be disappointing to God, obviously. Right. It's glorifying um, him in the process. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, if, if someone's coming on and I know they're going to be cussing every five sentences or I, we genuinely don't rock with them. Like, we're, yeah, we're not doing, yeah. we're not, we don't just invite people because, hey, they can make us blow up or whatever. Um, I did have, well, first of all, shout out to Juan Toscano Anderson um, for the Lakers. I think he's the first. Yes. Uh, he's the first <laughs> Mexican to play for the Lakers. Mexican American. So mom yeah. is Mexican. Yeah. Since the 1960s. Yeah. It's been a minute. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, and he's uh, obviously. Uh, getting a ring right now. Uh, you about to get another time one with the Warriors. Yeah. Right. I don't know about that. He, I'm a Lakers fan, and that's not happening. Um, <laughs> yeah, no. Not happening. I did have one more thing I wanted to ask you about um, as we wrap up. So you have a foundation, the Hooper Mentality Foundation. Um, so can you talk a little bit about that and what, like, what the mission is, why you started it, and um, you know what, what you're looking to kind of use it to, to impact, you know, people with. Yeah. So I um, started it in 2020. And then the reason I started it was because in my 16 years of coaching, I had um, four players commit suicide. And um, wow. yeah. So in, in different time frames, like different levels, different, um, different age groups. And it got to, after the fourth one, I had a conversation with her mom and, um, you know, and I was just like, Hey, like, what could I have done better? Like, how could I have been more supportive? You know, as a coach, like how, how could I have been an outlet? And she was like, honestly, like, we can't change what happened. We can definitely change the narrative for, for others, you know? And so after she committed suicide, she overdosed after she committed suicide, I reached out to like every player that I had ever coached. And I was like, Hey, even if we don't talk for, you know, three, four years, like I'm here, if you need a reference, job reference, whatever, like I'm here. And, um, but it felt like it wasn't enough, you know, and I was just like, we, we have to do more. And so I ended up going to this, um, 
Nike coaching clinic. They started it. I think they, I don't think they've ran it since, but it's called women in the game. And it was in LA. And so I went to it with one of my former players who at the time had just finished playing division one basketball. And she was going through depression because as we mentioned earlier, she hadn't honed any other skills. And so she didn't know after not playing basketball, she didn't know like what to do. And so I was like, Hey, go with me to this conference. And then maybe it'll help you, you know, uh, figure out what you want to do. And so the conference was about women in sports and in different positions. So there was like coaches, there was um, people that worked behind the scenes for the Lakers, for the Clippers, you know, you had all kinds of women in sports in different roles. And so one of the presentations was coach Corey Close, who's at UCLA. Um, She was talking about how, you know, the mental health aspect and how they have mental health um, therapists and counselors per team. So at UCLA, every single team has their own um, counselor, mental health counselor or or therapist or mental skills, mental skills trainer. And I was just like sitting there. And so we go to lunch after the, the conference and I was like, JP, like we need that. But at a younger age, like we need what UCLA has at the college level. Like we need to implement that, like at the younger age, like middle school, like when they were dealing with bullying and body image issues and things like that, you know? And so we're, we're having like Thai food and I'm thinking, and I was just like, you know, what should we, what should we name it? What should we name it? And I was like, yeah, you're going to be on the board with me. It'll be a nonprofit. And then like, literally in that moment, we're like, Hooper mentality, like, oh yeah, Hooper mentality. And then so I get on like GoDaddy, I buy the domain, literally like within, you know, 20 minutes. And then I just kind of sit on the idea for like three months, don't do anything. And then, um, as you remember, you know, we, we were running basketball clinics and during the clinics, we would do Bible studies. So I'm also faith-based and, uh, Granted, I do say a couple of customers here and there, but, Look, um, yeah, we're not, <laughs> but we're not those things, Christians. We're not. Yes. We, I also will tell you, they, <laughs> look, we, we loop together. We still play in these men. They call me Russell Westbrook. You're yeah, already that's why with yeah. Emmanuel quickly, because he's, you know, he's a faith based. He's a brother in Christ. And we, we would, we would, they had asked him to mic him up. And he was like, nah, we can't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he was like, no. He was like, my mama would be bad at me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, it's different. Um, but yeah, so I was working at the time, I was working with a Christian nonprofit, uh, Hope Leadership Foundation. And I was running their basketball camps. And at their basketball camps, I was leading Bible study. And so we would have the basketball camps, but then within the basketball camps, we would have Bible study. So we would break out into groups and we would have local pastors come in and lead the Bible studies. And the pastors that we would come in would be, you know, pastors that look like you too, like young black men that would like, one of them would walk in and like some, you know, top notch sneakers and the kids would be like, you're a pastor? Like, where are your gator boots? And where's your suit? You know, and he's like, nah, like I could dress like this and be a pastor. So we were trying to like tend to, to our demographic in a sense. And so you know, we were running these camps and we had 285 kids at these camps. And wow. so we would get them to the camps for basketball because they were free. But then once we had them there, it's like, OK, let's provide the word of, you know, the word of God to them and let's provide these Bible studies. And then let's. And so then I went back after the conference, I went back to my boss for the nonprofit. And I was like, hey, Willie, like, what if on top of the Bible study, we bring in sports psychologists and we do like 
the mental fortitude aspect of it. And he was like, that's a great idea. So let's do it. And so we ended up doing it. And then I was like, hey, can we implement Hooper Mentality and it have be like a, a partnership? So next thing you know, we're doing Hope Leadership Foundation and Hooper Mentality. And so we would give out t-shirts for both organizations and we would have Bible study and I would run the camps and we would have breakout groups and sports psychologists would come in and, you know, we would talk about suicide, anxiety, depression, like, you know, all these things at camps and like the parents would come back and like, sometimes you think, oh, these are heavy topics, right? But when you combine the word of God with these heavy topics, you're not just saying, hey, here's anxiety, here's depression, here's suicide tendencies, but here's the word of God. And this is how your armor and how we build it, you know? So we would teach them memory verses and they would have a memory verse throughout the week and they had to learn it. And so the kids would walk out of there like regurgitating Bible verses, you know? And so the parents would come back and be like, Hey, coach Patty, like for the first time ever, I had a conversation with my son about depression and anxiety or suicide. And, you know, so we would try to provide these outlets and these opportunities for the parents and the child to have dialogue about these topics that they're probably learning about on YouTube or these videos anyway. So it's like they need to have these conversations with the parents. So then the nonprofit led into the camps. And so we were doing camps and then um, we started doing camps, in, obviously, in San Diego. And then we ended up I got invited to go back to my hometown in Mexico and we ran a camp. And so we ran a camp in Mexico and it was all in Spanish. And so we were talking about mental fortitude and, and Bible study in Spanish and things like that. So it, it's just been a dope experience. And then when COVID hit, we tried to find ways to be able to continue to, you know, provide outlet for, for people. So we started doing interviews of people that are athletes, kind of like Players Tribune, but in like yeah. a more local version of it where we would yeah. get like San Diego. Um, would have been athletes and like talk about so like one of the athletes that we had was DeMarco Sampson who played who's from San Diego Chula Vista played at San Diego State and then he was supposed to play with the Arizona Cardinals and he did like one year with the Arizona Cardinals and then fell off the face of the earth for like 10 years and then came back out and we had like two kids or whatever and so I had him you know a conversation with him and he said how like he went into depression for those years and you know talked about how like the pressures of making it and being a hometown hero were like too much because he's getting these like 10 day contract, one day contract, 10 day contract, you know, and he was just like, he felt like a failure, but all only because of the pressures that, you know, everybody was placing on him. And so we ended up doing interviews and it's just, it, my life in general is like a plethora of, of projects. And so, and, uh, um, we, so with we, society, we got yeah. into the clinics, the, the, the interviews that, you know, the, um, zoom and all that and then the george floyd situation happened and i had an opportunity um actually my friends from the bay area my college friends from the bay area called me and they're like hey we're going to organize this um march the children's march in the bay area and we want hooper mentality to be a part of it and so uh we called it speak up and dribble so it was a spinoff of off of what you know the reporter said about lebron james yeah, shut up and dribble. So we did speak up and dribble. And what we did is we invited all the, and this was in San Francisco, we invited all the AU teams to show up because the, the kids wanted an outlet. The kids wanted to speak out against, you know, racial injustices. They wanted to speak out against, you know, what happened to George Floyd. They wanted to speak out on all these things, but it's like as a 13, 14 year old, how do you verbalize that? Or how do you like transfer that energy out? And so we we're like, hey, 
We're going to create this march. It's going to be called Speak Up and Dribble, and we're going to dribble through the streets of San Francisco. All the AU teams are going to get together one day, be friends for a day, and we're all going to dribble through the streets of San Francisco. So we ended up organizing. Uh, Hooper Mentality sponsored the T-shirt. So we don't, we gave T-shirts. And this was one of the only protests that, like, gave out T-shirts. So we gave out T-shirts. So we were all in, like, we had a logo, like, Speak Up and Dribble logo and everything. And, uh, yeah, we ended up marching, like, three miles. It was on Sports Center, ESPN. Like, um, it was all over the news. And so I get a phone call um literally the next day and they're like hey can you come run that in new york so then i fly to new york the following weekend and we do a speak up and dribble and I, um with dykeman we did dribble for justice so we did dykeman and then the post bk we did speak up and dribble with the post bk um so we did that and then we got another phone call saying the following week can we go to eugene oregon so we did it in eugene oregon oh. and then we did it in l.a and then we finished in San Diego. And so we did like this speak up and dribble protest all over the United States. And then we just gave student athletes and young adults like an outlet to be able to say, hey, I'm representing my culture. I'm representing the athletes. I'm representing the George Floyds, you know, all this stuff. So that was another aspect of it. And then I ended up moving out here. And so then I started implementing the, the basketball camps here. So um yeah so i mean it's there's a lot to it it's it's a big project but it's more so like just trying to continue to um encourage conversations about mental health right so like even with the hoodies like i we have hooper mentality hoodies and i never wanted to be in apparel like i never wanted it to be in apparel you know like oh that's your company no it's my nonprofit. you know it's a nonprofit. oh is are the is that your brand i'm like no it's our nonprofit. you know but what I realized is that I was wearing a Hooper mentality. I, I had gotten just the coaches like a Hooper mentality hoodie. So I had the logo trademark and everything. And um, for Christmas of 2020, I gave my coaches um, a hoodie. So I ended up going to New York and I was on the subway in New York. And this guy was like, yo, like, I like your hoodie. I'm like, thanks. And he was like, what is Hooper mentality? So I'm like, oh, well, it's a nonprofit that focuses on, you know, bringing awareness to mental health for student athletes. So, so that's like our mission, right? right. A, a nonprofit bringing awareness to mental health. And he was like, oh, he was like, I used to play ball. I was like, oh, that's dope. I was like, where'd you play? And he was like, so we start talking. He's like, yeah. He was like, I, he's like, and I'm currently on antidepressants and I've committed, tried to commit suicide three times. So I'm having like this crazy conversation with the random stranger on the subway and all because of the hoodie, right? So I get off the train and I call my my one of the board members on on the nonprofit and I was like, yo, we have to sell these jerseys. Like we have to give them out, sell them, whatever. Like so then we come back. I ordered like fifteen hundred t shirts and we started giving them out and we were just like, hey, give one to a friend. We gave out like fifteen hundred t shirts and then we decided to do a hoodie sale and we were saying like, hey, you know when. Because a lot of times people don't want to talk about their mental health if they don't have a reason. Like, you're not just going to show up one day and it's like, oh, I'm going to make a post on Instagram. And in the caption, I'm going to talk about my mental health struggles. Right. So what we how we promote it is we say, hey, when you wear the hoodie and you post the photo of the hoodie in your caption, share your testimony. Right. Share your testimony. So we were getting tagged and like. The captions, we were crying, like reading people's captions about like their testimonies and their struggle with mental health. And so like them wearing the hoodie was an opportunity for them to share their testimony on right. social media, like openly, right? 
And so then that's how we ended up. So when we did the first sale of the hoodies, we sold $12,000 in hoodies in two wow. days. Wow. Yeah. And and the best part was that that was, that was opportunities for people to, you know, share their testimony about their struggles with mental health and how they got out of it. And a lot of them were faith-based, you know, a lot of them were faith-based. So, um, so yeah, so now the project that I'm currently working on with the nonprofit is that um, I am donating or the nonprofit is donating 20 shirts to basketball teams. So you know how, you know how um, every basketball season you do like a breast cancer awareness game night yeah. or you do like a Alzheimer's awareness game night. So I've reached out to um, some division one friends that, you know, coach at, at division one and Juco and all that. And I was like, Hey, if I give y'all 20 Hoover mentality, like shirts in the green, in the, you know, in the mental health green, can you pledge to have a mental health awareness game night? And so we have Goucher College is going to do it this year. Uh, we're going to do it. Goucher is doing a men's and women's doubleheader. We're doing a men's and women's doubleheader. Essex is doing a men's and women's doubleheader. Loyola Chicago is doing a men's and women's doubleheader. So you'll, you might be seeing it on on uh, on TV, you know, them wearing like these green Hooper mentality shirts. And so we're donating them. And then we want the athletes to like share their experience, um, you know, with their own struggles with mental health. So that's, that's the, uh, the project right now. And so we're just trying to get teams but this time around is it'll be like, we're donating the shirts, but then what we want in the, you know, the long term is that they add it to their budget, to their school right. budget to, you know, continue to purchase the shirts and then continue to pledge to promote it. Just like they do like breast cancer awareness game or coaches for cancer, you know, week or whatever. So yeah, we want to make it a mental health awareness game night and, you know, have everybody wearing green pregame shirts like they do the the hot pink ones for breast cancer. So that's the project right now. So yeah. So I got three things to wrap up. I would cue the round of applause if we were in in studio, but man, that that was uh that was powerful. I was just like glued to my screen like <laughs> yeah no nah, for real for real thank you um I was going to say, I got three quick things. Um, you said Goucher College. I, I lost the Goucher my senior year, so I kind of cringe. Did you? <laughs> yeah, I didn't. That was that was a tough game. Um, yeah, we should have beat them. But anyways. Um, <laughs> they just went D1. Really? Yeah, they just went D1. So the AD wow. is the AD used to be the women's basketball coach, and I met her at a conference. And they just went D1. And so we met when we met at the conference, we started talking about mental health. And so she wanted me to come right. in and do some like uh, mental health skills training with the coaches because I developed curriculums for mental health awareness. And so she wanted me to come in and like teach the coaches the curriculum. But so yeah, fun. they just went D1. So it, it's yeah, their, right actually, up. this is going to be their first season as a D1 team. Yeah, that's right around the corner from you because we, my school is in middle of nowhere, Virginia. We went up to Baltimore, uh, played them. Um, the second thing was, you know, for those listening, um, and we'll probably post that that last. Well, we're going to post multiple snippets, but we got to post that mm-hmm. last part for sure. Um, when your heart is pure and you're you're not focused on like notoriety, money, you're going to be blessed with that with opportunities, and and that stuff will come anyway, right? So the thing that we we're really passionate about it, it impact not just, you know, how can we make, make money? Um, mm-hmm. Which leads me to my, the last thing, it's funny timing. We, uh, 
right now, like the basketball training business is a business. It's a for-profit LLC. Um, and I don't want to share everything uh, on this call about what we're looking to do, but we're, we're looking to start a nonprofit um, soon so that we can have more um, opportunities to serve, um, you know, our community out here, but eventually other communities. Um, so I definitely want to uh, tap in with you and yeah, get, get my some resources ideas. are your resources. So yeah, because we is your network. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we we um, you know, just like basic logistical stuff, like you know how to get it started. You know, listen, legal Zoom. <laughs> That's what one of my boys said. He said legal zoom. I was like, you know what? Yeah. I'll pay the extra four hundred dollars if I don't have to do anything, and it's going to be <laughs> top, you know. And and that's what it was. And and it was during COVID. I did it during COVID, so they took care of everything. So and to this day, like I use them and their attorneys, and I did my my trademark through them, and I did my LLC through them, and I did my nonprofit through them. So cool. Yeah. Good stuff. Well, look. Um, we could talk all day. Um, yeah. But uh, I do want to tell you, we do play Nova Community College, Northern okay. Virginia. So you guys are going to have to make an appearance. If yeah, no, I was going <laughs> to say we got a Lincoln person. We're not. It's not that far. Shoot, I'm going to be in Baltimore um, this Sunday. My dad's a Browns fan. OK. And, uh, yeah, we're. Um, uh, well, I, I will see. I'm. He, I got him tickets to see the Browns Ravens game. I may or may not go. I don't know yet. Oh, let me um, let me get that ticket if you if you don't go. <laughs> uh, we got a game. Well, we got a men's league. We our fall league uh, starts. We play in this lifetime uh, league. I'm low. I'm low management, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we, we they have a league every season. We 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 won three championships in a row. So adult league. Yeah, yeah. It's okay. actually good competition. Um. No, it's cool, but we we start the the last season of the year on Sunday, so okay. Uh, you guys gotta come out here in this summer. I got to coach in the Brunson League this year. Oh, where? Yeah, yeah, Austin played in the Brunson a few years back, and that's yeah. another league that's really good. Um, yeah, I I want to play in it. Um, yeah, it it looks like. Let me know. I I I just found out I'm the first female assistant coach in, at the Brunson League, and so um, Emmanuel quickly has a team on there, and yeah, they help. They have me recruiting players. So yeah, he's from Delaware, right? I know a couple of Delaware. No, people. he's from here. From he's from Harford County. Oh, okay. I didn't know that. I didn't. I didn't yeah, know his mom is actually an alumni here. Oh wow, that's crazy. Yeah, his mom and his auntie, and then he went to school. Um, they went. They live in Havre de Grace, which is like ten minutes from here. Mm-hmm. And he went to the high school that's like five minutes from here. That's so that's up. why it all fell into play of like him hosting his camp here because the when the last time the arena was packed, like the last time the packed house, the arena was when Emmanuel quickly played in his high school championship game here. Got it. So he was like, yeah, we got to run the camp there. So we're we're looking to run it next year for two weeks instead of one. This year we did one. So we're, we're last thing, my, like last thing for us, <laughs> for me. Um, we got to link you with my oldest brother, Walt. Uh, he's he's the head varsity girls coach at Virginia Academy. It's a private school out here. Okay. And he's been coaching girls basketball since the mid-2000s. Um, and y'all, too, would – he's a talker like he, yeah <laughs> he, and he loves the game like he he's the reason why we started hooping um so i think that it you know he 
maybe open to partnering with you guys on the on the uh, mental health week type of thing. Yeah. But but in general, like he's he's a he's a big time networker. Um, you guys, I guarantee you know a lot of the same people. He knows everybody. Yeah, I'm I'm sure. When you when you coach, you know like everybody knows everybody. Yeah, yeah. So um, that's why I don't date coaches. (laughs) (laughs) Fact. Um, but yeah, we gotta link you with him, and then uh, yeah, let let us know um about. Well, I'll look at the schedule, see when y'all play Nova, and then I yeah, they're actually our home opener, but then we also play them at the end of the season. Okay. Um, I did tell my boss that I would stay in as interim until December, um, but we'll see. We'll see. They're 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 rubbing off on me. They want me to stay on for the whole season. And I'm just like, you yeah, you're gonna start winning games, and then the, you know <laughs> it's gonna be hard to turn back. Yeah, it's gonna be hard. That's why I was like, I'm giving myself until December, and then I know December is gonna turn into March, and then I'm like, okay, then I'm done officially. Done. <laughs> Well, look, we we really appreciate your time. I know you had a long day, um, and you're in your office, so I know you're that responsibility <laughs> that to you have stuff to take yeah. care of and stuff like that. So we we appreciate you taking the time. Um, it, this was a really good episode, and uh, we look forward to to collabing with you in person. Um, yeah, likewise. And I'm sure we'll have you back on at some point, and hopefully you can come out here so we can. Like the in person vibe is definitely a lot better. We, we yeah, it's fine. We got the the drops, and you know, we got the whole uh, the hench and all that. So, <laughs> um, that that's all I got. Austin, you got anything? No, nah, man, you you covered it all again. Appreciate you, Patty, and um, yeah, I'll, I'll I'll try to get in shape for the Brunson. Yeah, make sure y'all drop buckets in this grown man league. <laughs> oh yeah, no, nah, we 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 gotta uh, we gotta get this. We gotta get this sweet. We gotta get this sweet. Um, yeah, we're like we're like the warriors of this league. Like not even being funny. Like we is it because y'all that good or just it's that bad? She, uh, she <laughs> nah, you'll see, you'll see. But nah, we we're like it's funny. Our team, the average height in our team is like six one, but we just we just we shoot a lot of threes. We know how to play. Yeah. We move the ball. We play the right way. Um, I'll just I'll just say this: people people are people come to see us lose. That's that's where we're at right now. Oh, that's a good, that's a good that's good energy there. Yeah, yeah. People are coming to see us lose. So, um, but yeah, we'll let you go. Um, episode eighty six, everybody. Thanks for tapping in with us. Um, as always, clock in. Let's get it. And uh, appreciate y'all. Peace. Appreciate you. We put in work and here's the proof. What you want? I'm making moves, punching it. I'm on it too. I'm in the gym. I'm in the stew. It's hunting season. Where's the food? We push each other daily. Level up. Cause that's what brothers do. Clock in.